Hello, this is Deborah Anderson, the Black Woman Animator, coming back to you with another video. In this video, I have from Detroit, Michigan, now living in Chicago, Kevin hey. L. Davis. What, what up, up though? <laughs> right. So we going? Little Blade <laughs> Icewood. <laughs> Always got to mm -hmm. represent. Uh, so we going to hop right in. Um, tell us what your background is with, and all that stuff. Get up and give a little bio. Yep. Uh, my name is Kevin Davis, born and raised in Detroit, graduated from Refer High School, uh, went to Eastern Michigan University, uh, and then finished up my degree at Colorado State in marketing. Uh, for the past maybe 15 years or so, I've been uh, started out as graphic designer and kind of worked my way up to a point now where um, I'm director of marketing for uh, a large healthcare system mm -hmm. here in Illinois. Um, still designing, still creating, still representing the city. All of the above. Yeah. I'm going to be bringing them back for some marketing stuff. But um, we're going to concentrate on leadership right now. So um, first question, did, did you show any leadership qualities in your childhood, K through 12? Yeah. I, it's funny. I was asking my, I was asking my wife. Um, I was trying to think back, like, have I always just kind of been that? But mm -hmm. yeah, um, you know. Thinking all the way back to elementary school, um, school programs, I was always a speaker, always representing the class in some regard. Um, and I was a freehand artist, so I always designed our program covers and all that type of stuff, speaking for the students, um, right. high school, National Honor Society, all of that stuff. And then I was, you know, a captain on a baseball team, golf team, all of that. So mm -hmm. I always find some way. I may not want to be the leader right. but I find the way and it ends up <laughs> becoming that so I've kind of embraced I've kind of embraced that about myself but mm -hmm. but I will say yes <laughs> nice. so um who are some of your favorite leaders favorite leaders um I'll say number one would be my dad um mm -hmm. very pragmatic very diplomatic uh very unbiased at all costs uh which mm -hmm. I hated I hated as a kid <laughs> <laughs> uh, because if someone said Everyone I, I want to hear it, man. Yeah, you know, every, you know, when uh, if, as a kid, if, if if my dad, somebody told my dad I did something, he'd be like, you probably did. It's 50% probability you did. And I'm like, take my side. But as I got older and I have kids and all that, I'm like, they probably did it. Um, <laughs> but just but just his, his, just his leadership style and just being consistent and clear at all times, uh, but also just being just pragmatic and, and just... Um, unbiased. That was huge to me growing up. And that's, that's kind of how I lead now. Um, I would say also cliche Barack Obama, um, mm -hmm. just his ability to stay calm and poised under pressure, um, not feeding into responding to things that are said mm -hmm. about you, things that, I mean, your, your natural inclination is to respond to things or want to, right. but you have the decision to do it or not. Mm -hmm. And he, most of the time he just chose, I'm just going to keep it moving. Um, right. Beyond that, I would say uh, Reggie Lewis uh, passed away mm -hmm. about 20 something, 27 years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. First black billionaire. Um, and mm -hmm. just how he led from example and just being consistent and playing a little bit bigger than he mm -hmm. was at all times, but still being able to deliver. So I'll say those are kind of like my three you know, my, yeah. my three kind of pillars um, when it comes to leadership as far as black men, well, in general, yeah. 
I know you know a lot about, you know, Detroit leadership. Do you have any favorite Detroit leaders? Dennis Archer. Dennis Archer. <laughs> that 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 is mm -hmm. that's my mayor. Um mm -hmm. and he I think part of it because he reminded me a lot of my dad. Um, mm -hmm. you know, he's there about the business. And I think what I appreciated about him was the the way he came into his role as mayor of Detroit, um, mm -hmm. following Coleman Young. You know, Coleman Young had been in office since 1973. And yeah. so in 19, was it 90, early 90s, 92 or something like that, 91, 92, something like that, when when Dennis Archer came into office, he did have to kind of mend mm -hmm. some relationships. And uh, whereas Coleman Young mm -hmm. had the thought of being more of a chocolate city and self-reliant, Dennis Archer's mm -hmm. like, we need all hands on deck to kind of make some of these things happen. So b being able to relate to the people, but then also know how to play this, this high-end corporate game um, and just yeah. being trustworthy, you know, I think that at that age for me, I think I was going to be 13, 13 or 14. I, mm -hmm. I remember I was in middle school. So I think it was like 92. Um, that stood out to me then. It stood out to me now when I, when I read his book, um, uh, last year, I have way more respect. He did a lot more than I thought he did. Um, uh, yeah. but, but yeah, that, that, that's my guy. That's, that's my guy right there. So, um, in your experience, because you have like a lot of experience, uh, what is the difference between leadership in a company, a nonprofit organization, and a volunteer organization? I don't think that they're. I don't think they're. They should be kind of broken into different different categories. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's what are you providing? Who needs to do it? Mm -hmm. And how do you deliver on it? And that's nonprofit mm -hmm. organizations, for profit organizations. Now. It all, I think it all comes down to um, understanding people's motivations. How to, how, you mm -hmm. know, why are they there, and how can we help you know help you be more focused on your end your end result here, which ultimately benefit the company right. in the long run. And I think that's a um, that's an issue that I, that I think people. Uh, that's an issue that I feel is very prevalent in a nonprofit space. You know, they hear, oh, that's too corporate or mm -hmm. in a for-profit space and you bring certain things up they're like oh that's too social enterprisey and it's like no you need to have all of that um and yeah. just thinking about you know my experience in the for-profit world and it wasn't in a marketing you know capacity it was just me working in various roles in the, in the for-profit space um mm -hmm. bringing some of those best practices into the nonprofit space you know it's kind of met with uh some resistance and people felt that mm -hmm. that's not how we do things and i'm like why shouldn't we we should have standard operating procedures and best practices and ways to yeah. effectively measure our work and our outcomes and all of those things. And, you know, so there's always that, that bit of corporate clash. So yeah. I don't see that. I don't see it as any different. Um, you know, when you think about it, being a leader in those spaces, you got to motivate your people. Mm -hmm. You got to be transparent. Right. You have to be trustworthy. Um, and it's just be relatable. And I, like I said, I just mm -hmm. don't think that they should be, be broken down into those okay. different spaces. So um, specifically between, you know, people getting paid and, you know, volunteer work, what, how do you get the buy-in? Okay, so I feel like um, at my original chapter, um, you know, I'm a Zeta, uh, Kevin's a Sigma, and uh, at my chapter, I got spoiled. <laughs> for um, people doing what they're supposed to do in volunteer work. 
And so as I've been a leader in other organizations, uh, and some of it is my leadership um, capabilities and some of it is the people, but I've sometimes struggled with people joining a volunteer organization and not having kind of the same leverage of, I pay you for this. So what mm -hmm. do you see as the ways to get that buy-in for both? I mean, there's there's less uh, struggle with the people who are actually doing it yeah. um, for the right reasons, but the people who are doing it maybe for the wrong reasons or are inexperienced. Like, what do you, what advice do you have for that? I had to, had to think about how I wanted to, <laughs> how I wanted to to frame, you know, frame what <laughs> I want to say. But at the end of the day, I won't let someone's volunteer status trump the the my expectation of work outcomes. Um, Hold on, pause right quick because your 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 video was kind of so. Start your uh, answer over again. Okay. I won't ever let someone's volunteer status get in the way of my expectations for them. Um, mm -hmm. Even even in the fraternity, you know, I'm, I'm like, hey, I'd rather have three people to do this than 15 of y'all standing mm -hmm. around doing nothing. And I think also in when you think about right. the nonprofit space and volunteer opportunities, you have to be clear what the expectations are and just say, hey, you know, well, mm -hmm. this is what needs to happen by when this is the way it needs to be done. Um, and I just need to make sure I have your commitment. And if I have the commitment, I, I don't need you. And you have to be comfortable with having those conversations with people to say, hey, you know what? I know this is a volunteer opportunity, which means we're limited on time and resources, but this is what I need from you. And, right. you know, if, you, if it gets to that point, you just say, you know what, you know, thank you for your service, but, you know, we're going to continue moving on with this without you or finding a different place for them to, to help out. Um, I think many times people get involved with volunteer opportunities for the optics and, yeah. you know, being able to post a picture, say they were in the middle of it. But somebody still does have to manage the volunteers in that group. Um, yeah. So the first thing I would say is don't don't volunteer for opportunities if you're really not going to be into it, um, if you really can't commit mm -hmm. to it, um, and you're not going to be receptive to feedback. I've experienced right. that. And if I'm volunteering. You're going to tell me what to do. And it's like, yes, but there's a, you know, I work here and you're volunteering. There's a certain way things need to be done. And if you can't do it that way, then, you know, we can't you know, thank you for your time thus far, but we won't be needing you going forward. So you, you do right. have to, to double down on that as well. But I, I put it more so on the volunteer to make sure you're doing things that align with uh, a, a real goal and interest of yours. Um, and that's something that I had to kind of accept over the years. I was kind of involved in a number of different opportunities yeah. and it wasn't necessarily because it was something that I wanted to do it was because Deborah asked me and I'm like, cool, but, mm -hmm. then she, but now it's time to do it. I'm complaining because I don't want to be yeah. Um, right. So limiting my time to the types of things, um, yeah. and the opportunities that I take on, but also looking at it as if I get involved with this, how does this advance my cause, improve my brand or further, you know, if I have a community interest, if I'm interested in education mm -hmm. or whatever in the community, how does this help that? And if I don't have an answer for it, then I shouldn't do it. But leading volunteers, you have to be able to have those difficult conversations to say, yes, you are. You are not getting paid. Yes, you are here. Mm -hmm. You are you know, on your time, um, but we're going to move mm -hmm. you over to this other assignment or, you know, just reiterate what the expectations or outcomes are and just confirm that mm -hmm. they're in alignment with it. If not, no harm, no foul. We just got to keep moving. Yeah. Um, something uh, that I feel I did a disservice to me, 
it's because you your leadership also kind of brings in your personal stuff. So and being called, you know, mean a lot uh, for being a direct person, for being an introvert, whatever the reasons are um, and feeling like you're actually a nice person. And my last leadership position, it was a balance of, you know, trying to rebuild the organization. So having to kind of start from not that many people being involved and I need your help. So I don't want to kind of be mean, so to speak, and shoot you away because I need help. But also I need you to do what you need to do. And so luckily uh, on the other side of that, I've come to the realization that if you're trying to be nice, they're going to not like you anyway. So you right. might as well be yourself <laughs> right? and tell them what you, what they need to hear because man, I did myself such a disservice trying to be nice. And it's just like, I really need you to tell y'all about yourselves right now, but I need you to stay because we already have a light ship <laughs> and I need all that. I'm already doing five things, mm-hmm. but it was just like, man, I should have. And, and, you know, it, it ends up being that when you do that, people respect you, Mm-hmm. Or they just leave. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, when it when it comes to that and, you know, you, you're trying to lead an organization and it's just this comes from experience. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of it is just re, really being clear on what the, the direction is that you're trying to take everyone on and reiterating their importance in the role and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is my vision going forward. And you have and I hate it sometimes because you have to, like, suck it up. And you mm-hmm. might not like somebody, but at the end of the day, I would rather, I'll start over, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have your thoughts and feelings about people, you know, especially if it's an organ, you, you work your way up. And so yeah. you already have your feelings and your own personal encounters with people. But when you get into a leadership, leadership position, it kind of changes. Yeah. And I take it from a place of, I'm going to hit the reset button because mm-hmm. I wasn't your leader before. So I don't know what it was. I, you know, this is, this is like a management thing they kind of teach you over the years is never assume yeah. that someone's the way they are is because of the way they are. They're, they're that way for a reason. And so part of your responsibility yeah. is to figure out what are their motivations, what caused mm-hmm. them to act this way. And it could be a leader before them was terrible, was a dictator, didn't yeah. explain clearly, or also didn't explain how, um, didn't convey the their their level of investment in that person so you have to just kind of start over this is what i'm trying to do i need you to do these things and give them that sense of uh of ownership and you can still be nice and deliver and you know and come back and say these are the deliverables and these things that i need to make happen or expect from Mm -hmm. you and if you do it enough and they truly just aren't a good person they'll self-select out and that's what you want and no one yeah. can ever say you were mean or nasty. You started over. You had a clear plan. You showed them where they fit in the plan. These are the clear expectations mm-hmm. that I expect of you. And then you have to have those difficult conversations or courageous conversations, the new buzzword, along yeah. the way. So that first checkpoint, when you see something, nip it in the bud. I'm not one of those people that likes to let it continue to go yeah. on. Now that's my mm-hmm. fault. It's not fair to that person. So we'll have right. that conversation. Hey, you didn't turn in your meeting notes prior to the meeting. And, you know, I've had to do this where, uh, hey, if you don't have the meeting notes into me by Thursday where I can review them, they will not be on the screen at the meeting, which means you didn't complete your report. And mm-hmm. what that means is uh, based on the expectations of your role, you have to present your meeting notes at every meeting to stay in. Right. So if you just missed one, that means you just missed a 12th of your meetings 
and mm-hmm. you get to manage it that way and just yeah hey they didn't have they didn't meet the deadlines and so i had to move forward in the best interest of the membership or whatever way the mm-hmm. organization was set up and respect everybody's time and they yeah. just didn't do it. i gave them the opportunity yeah and one of my previous leadership uh um positions there was several instances over the years in that position that I wanted to get rid of people because either they weren't they weren't ready for prime time or they weren't doing their job and you know in in certain areas you have to get your documentation ready you have to make sure that you told them what they needed to do multiple times and stuff like that and every luckily <laughs> every single time they got rid of themselves. I was like, thank you, because I did not want to have this conversation. Like, you're supposed to have the conversation as a leader, but I'm like, dang it, uh, I got to get rid of this person. And in a volunteer capacity, you know, people, I've seen people try to, like, peacock, and it's like, but you're not doing anything. You don't have any leverage. So Mm -hmm. I I was lucky lucky enough to everybody got rid of themselves who I really wanted to get rid of. So that was Mm -hmm. my luck. (laughs) Um... (laughs) What is the power of volunteer work? So I know uh, you've done Phi Beta Sigma at so many levels. Um, you're part of 100 Black Men, and uh, I'm sure you're part of other volunteer organizations. So um, particularly in our community of people sometimes not seeing it, what is the power of volunteer work? I don't think I'll ever get away from uh, <laughs> volunteer work uh, for a number mm-hmm. of reasons. One, the older I get, the more introspective I become on just kind of mm-hmm. things that take place when I was younger, types of people I wish I had known or opportunities that mm-hmm. I wish were afforded to me. And so now as I get older and I'm, I'm entering more spaces that I never thought I'd be in, I feel like it's my obligation to continue to do uh, you know, volunteer work in these organizations. And, um, and also that was the example that my dad said, I'm busy over here mm-hmm. with family and all these things, but I'm also committed back to the community. Um, right. And, it, and what that looked like for us was my dad was a, a VP uh, at a bank and mm-hmm. my mom was, you know, terminally ill with lupus and we have mm-hmm. three kids and he's still, he's a VP at the bank at, during the day and he's cleaning up mm-hmm. uh, an office building at night, trying to, mm-hmm. you know, cover medical bills and all that, but he still made time for junior achievement. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that was my experience going up. But then once we got in, I got into high school and the honor society and all of that, like that kind of changed it all. Cause I, it was, I was now kind of grown, grownish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thinking about how it's helped my, just helped me personally, um, I can say specifically like, you know, becoming a Sigma, um, you know, I was a graphic designer all the way up. And then when I became a Sigma, the brothers took a gamble on me and said, Hey, we need you to design these things for us. Mm-hmm. And that was helpful because I didn't have a career in design. So how do you build your yeah. portfolio and you don't have the job? Right. So like here, they started sending me all types of business. And essentially the, the, the fraternity is why my business is the way it is now. You know, I can mm-hmm. fully put that on, on the brotherhood because they took a chance. They let me have those opportunities to kind of play around and learn with some of the things that they were doing, not only in the organization, but that it became their side businesses and personal projects for them. Mm-hmm. And it all became referral based. And so I was able to learn and grow on my own time while getting paid for it, while building my uh, my portfolio. So when it was time for me to start looking for jobs, I actually had a nice little book to go right. through. But beyond just the, um, 
the the actual work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So that skill or that talent. So as a designer, you need or creative, you need to have that creative portfolio. But mm -hmm. in the volunteer space, it did teach me about people. It taught me about volunteering, talk, you know, about right. man managing volunteers and um, being a steward of the community, you know, taught me mm -hmm. a lot of leadership things. It taught me a little bit about program management and program, you know, event management, um, seeing these things at a distance. And, and as I grew, then I became the committee person that's over this event or whatever. So you start to learn these things and I'm able to bring those back into my career. And so now even to this, this point, um, you know, with so many years in the game, you know, mm -hmm. still volunteering. So I'm, like I said, I'm a member of the 100 Black Men of Chicago. And with that, I lend my creative talents to the marketing and branding of the organization. Whereas I don't have time to do the mentoring that happens every week. I still mm -hmm. give back by volunteering my right. talents, but then it also benefits me because it keeps me sharp. And then it keeps right. me on the ground because I'm designing things. I'm reading the copy. I'm reading these reports and all these different things mm -hmm. I know in the community. And so right. fast forward, you know, thinking about, um, about Sigma, um, you know, now I'm the, I'm the international director of publicity and branding for the, for the mm -hmm. entire organization, which means mm -hmm. all of the marketing and branding to some capacity comes through me. Mm -hmm. And so then that taught me a number of things, you know, being on the board, so I'm seeing how the board operates, which is much different from a smaller nonprofit board. So I'm seeing that, I'm seeing how right. these things are created. I'm, I'm developing policy that impacts hundreds, you know, 100,000 men across the world at this point. And, mm -hmm. and I have to now learn how to roll this out. And so yeah. the way that kind of benefited me, um, when I worked at North Park University, I was, uh, mm -hmm. I was a part of the branding team, which taught me how mm -hmm. to brand, how to develop and go through all the research and mm -hmm. roll out a brand. And more importantly, uh, include that educational piece where we have to go to different mm -hmm. stakeholders groups. So now fast forward, when I got into the the, the, the role of fraternity, I had mm -hmm. to do that same thing, but, but on a higher scale. And so I nice. did that in 2017, starting out and when I got my job now, I was, I was able to use those experiences with the fraternity on that larger scale to show that I can mm -hmm. lead this organization, lead these efforts, show some sort of, um, show some sort of wins uh, uh, and successes. And that helped me go mm -hmm. from working at an organization that had a $10 million budget, which is you know where I left last year, to working at an organization now that has a $70 million budget because yeah. I was kind of scaffold my personal experiences plus organizational experiences. So it teaches you a whole lot. Um, and, you know, it taught me way more about the nonprofit space. So now I look at things differently. I, I look at where I give my money a little bit differently because I'm able to scrutinize those books a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. When it comes to creating new programs in the community, it teaches you how to uh, develop a bit of an assessment, a needs assessment. And then once it's gone, mm -hmm program evaluation look like so that volunteer work it can take you in so many levels if you just want to be the you know the, the base level kind of do the work and pass out some food mm -hmm. or whatever that's fine but you do have those opportunities to continue to go up and it can benefit you um, in one organization uh, if you're looking to join another uh, if you're looking mm -hmm. at if you're looking at possibly joining a board of directors which the further I get in my career, you learn that that's where all of those relationships are made. It's yeah. not 
shirts on the golf course here and there and all of that. But <laughs> People want to have a common thread of philanthropy with you. And so how do you build yeah. that? It's the, it starts with that basic volunteer experience and then it just kind of kind of goes from there. Yeah, I've seen that person, uh, like not with me in particular, but there is a previous president of our um, young professionals in New Orleans where once people saw that, once people see you can get it done, then they give you everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so that that opened the doors to him being on so many boards in the city of New Orleans, where it's like, OK, now you're getting indoors where you're seeing how, you know, the other folk work <laughs> and, and, it, and, it, and seeing things you might not have seen. Yeah. And it, you know, beyond the portfolio piece, if you're not a creative, uh, mm -hmm. this also helps you build just out your personal brand when you start to think about mm -hmm. You know, ultimately, your personal brand is what you project and what you put out there. You, what do you want to be known for? What is your value proposition? That's your that's your your personal brand. So, being able to do, you know, take advantage of some of these volunteer opportunities, um, it allows you to kind of build up your inventory. I've done this type of work in this community. I've learned these types of things, um, and it helps you uh, just build that brand out. It gives you a bit more to add to your story. Uh, which I think everybody should. You can't just tie it up in your, um, you know, expect it to be in your career. You need yeah. to have a, you need to have a whole 360 of your personal brand um, and your reputation versus just kind of trying to figure it out on your own. You can do it, but it'll take you a lot longer, take way more steps. Yeah. And speaking of your rep reputation, from personal experience, I know, um, the references you list on your resume are not the only references. If you put a volunteer organization on your resume, somebody could know somebody that has worked with that organization. And now, because I've I've received a phone call where somebody put um, uh, a previous uh, organization I was in on their resume, and they're like, and they call, oh, do you know this person? They put this organization that you're a part of, and I'm like, yes that person has given me hell, <laughs> but, but I'm also the type of person where I'm not petty. So I will list the, I'm, I'm diplomatic. I will list the positive things they did, but I will also warn you <laughs> on the trouble that I've Growth had with them. So keep, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, people just do not realize like you coming into this organization and you're treating people badly. And particularly with, you know, New Orleans being a small city. I mean, every city can end up being a small city. Chicago's but big you, and small. <laughs> right. But you can you can do yourself a disservice because you don't know who somebody else knows. So this person is applying for, for a job and, and, you know, they don't know that I'm being contacted and you have been giving me an uphill battle. And I'm luckily being nice enough to not go in like I to go in so <laughs> one, yeah one of the things um that i i do enjoy and i mean if you know me you know i'm all about marketing and building relationships and, and networking rather mm -hmm. than not marketing more so marketing yes but i meant networking um yeah and it's, it's very rare that someone applies for a role on my team or in my organization and i'm i am any more than two phone calls away um mm -hmm. it mostly one um mm -hmm. You know, because I'm going to look you up and just kind of see, because I get it, your resume can only tell you so much. And so I get people that have been in the right. doubt and say, you know what, and there's so many rules, or it can only be one page, and it can be two, and it, which is all subjective. That's cool. Um, yeah. But I know I want to be able to look you up 
um, because to that point, you may have only had one page or two page, and it wasn't as as detailed as you know. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'll go look up on LinkedIn. I'll do Google searches. I want to know who you know. I want to know how you're carrying yourself, because ultimately, you're going to come into my organization, and I need to make sure you're able to carry this out. And I don't have to worry about you going out into the space. You right. should know how to behave uh, or carry yourself, yeah. or at least know how to keep, cover your tracks, whatever. Uh, that's yeah. a whole separate <laughs> conversation. But, you know, most cases, like, I'll look up and I know someone and I'm like, hey, I know you work at this organization. Somebody's applying here. Do you know this person? Mm-hmm. And you, know, you know me. Do you do you think we'd be a good fit? And they're like, yeah, nope. They big <laughs> And sometimes I'll, you know, I'll, I'll still follow up with them, but I'll keep that in mind. I'm like, you know me and you know how, yeah. uh, you know, how I get down. But um, the network is small, you know, you, yeah. you, you're volunteering somewhere and it's like, oh, you volunteered over there? Hmm, I know mm-hmm. someone over there. Let me make a phone call. And we get back to that mm-hmm. point earlier, just about you volunteering to get that on your resume or for some photos. And, you know, I've had people that didn't have so great experiences volunteering. Like, oh yeah, this person... At my last job, I'm not going to name any names, but we were um, we were volunteering with the Chicago Transit Authority. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess you'd call it they were volunteering. I wasn't. I was at work. But <laughs> I get a phone call from uh, somebody pretty high up at the at CTA. They're like, yeah, yo, people are out here tripping. And I'm like, what do you mean? So they like sending me like the video images from the cameras at the train station where they were volunteering. They playing mm-hmm. around, not listening, going back and forth. And I'm like, see, now I can't even advocate for you when it's time for you to leave our program to get right. a job anywhere and these resources. Yeah. And because I saw you show your ass while you're out volunteering. And right. that travels very fast, you know. Mm-hmm. So somebody's always watching. Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay, what have you learned from leading your passion project. So um, every year you uh, fundraise for, for lupus. So um, I don't know if you do any other similar things, but what have you learned from doing that? Um, I will say it really, you know, um, just to add on what you're saying. So I, I raise funds every year for Lupus Foundation of America for the walk um, in memory of my mom who I lost to lupus. Um, mm-hmm. And so that is my one really my one fundraiser per year. Um, mm-hmm. And what I've learned from that is people are more likely to support you when they see you have a clear focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some friends that try to raise funds for every single thing. And so yeah. it's like, are you just asking us to raise money? You know, or is this your one thing? And if it's your one thing, I can help you because I know you're trying to make an impact. So for me, it's really being able to say no to other things um, and just say, this is my one yeah. thing here. And everyone knows mm-hmm. when May hits, Kevin's coming. You know, Kevin's coming <laughs> yeah. with, the, with the appeal. And, and, you know, I've had a pretty, pretty good success rate um, of every year of raising funds and meeting my goals because people support me and they support my single vision per year. Yeah. Uh, but what I will say is with that, um, I, you know, I did have to learn a bit of, of, of uh, balance and time management uh, because mm-hmm. those things will take up your time as well because it's, Oftentimes it's committee yeah. driven, which is what it is here in Chicago, uh, since we don't have a full chapter. So again, I lend my marketing and communication and design talents to that, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That so it's it's for a good cause, but then I also uh, continue to build my brand by saying I, or I work with the Lupus Foundation of America, you know, mm-hmm. which is a good project. 
um, you know, a memory of my mom, but then it also raises funds. Mm -hmm. So right. you, know, you got to find a way to make it a win, win, win. But, um, but I would say if, you know, people have some kind of projects like that, like some fundraising mm -hmm. or philanthropic projects to try to be as, as focused as possible, um, really mm -hmm. take some time to articulate your why, why you're, why you have chosen that and why do you want people's support? Um, yeah. it, you know, never doubt the power, power of a good story. You know, for me, my hook is I lost mm -hmm. my mom at nine. I lost my mom at nine. Mm -hmm. And my goal is I don't want any other kids to have to lose their parent at nine. You know, that, that was mm -hmm. years ago that I lost my mom. Mm -hmm. So I've gone from nine years to 40, 41 years without my mm -hmm. mom. who's never seen my mm -hmm. kids. So that means something to me. And I think that resonates with right. me. So, um, so yeah, be, be consistent and uh, yeah. make sure that it's really something that you want to do and attach your attach your personal brand to as well. Yeah, you, you did just say a word that I was going to bring up. It's like consistency is currency because um, that's what I learned in, you know, last year was the first year for my YouTube channel where I tried to post a video every week and, you know, on my social media, um, particularly on Facebook, you know, I'm always posting animation stuff. So in doing that, I've built my brand of being in animation and now, you know, I'll have people send me stuff like, oh, I saw this and thought of you and stuff like that. And, you know, nine times out of 10, because I'm in the animation industry, it. I've seen it before, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just... <laughs> like thank you <laughs> yeah yeah my natural virgo self is to be like i already saw this but i've learned over the years my evolved yeah. virgo self is to be like, like. thank you <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah so now now i have you know even people on instagram will send me different you know uh like stuff with marvel doing live um drawings or something like that and sometimes people send me stuff that where i'm like this ain't really what i do but thank you anyway but um so when you have that <laughs> that you have that consistency consistency yeah. i feel is currency and that last my la last year is where i saw that where oh now that i'm being consistent and people yeah. see that i'm always doing it now people are like okay that is you so to your point um and think, especially thinking about my my creatives, my fellow creatives out here, mm -hmm. um, that consistency piece is huge. But there's also a sense of patience that has to come mm -hmm. with that. You know, just like right now, I launched my podcast um, late March, so I try to. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to post at least once a week. I took this this past week off for the holiday. You got to be realistic. Yeah. Take some time off. Decompress. Mm -hmm. Disconnect. All of that. Uh, but we'll be right. back this week. And my, my realistic expectation is, yes, I get some traffic, but it's mm -hmm. not going to happen. It's going to take right. a while for me to really see those numbers shoot up, even though they look decent. Um, yeah. But I can't be upset at the traffic. Mm -hmm. I can't be upset at the engagement. I can't expect people to fully support or buy into what I'm doing, even though they may like me. Um, right. Because, A, it may not be what they're interested in and, mm -hmm. and be, you know, um, it also just may not be there yet production wise. Like you gotta be realistic about it. We all think yeah. we're the greatest thing in the world and we have this awesome, you know, this awesome product we put out in real, you know, reality is going to take a little time to build it up. So to mm -hmm. your point, being consistent, 
you've been, you know, making these posts every, every week, you know, I see a lot of it, mm-hmm. you know, I see a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I need to do something like that. So I hear like real construction <laughs> interviewing and the traffic and the engagement will come over time. Like you just have right. to be patient because there are tons of people who've launched YouTube channels. There are tons of people yeah. who have launched podcasts. And in my experience, those who stay will win, you know, you got to, you got to yeah. be consistent and kind of keep it pushing, but you got to throw out your expectations. You're not going to change the game overnight and be realistic. Your friends and family are not going to be your biggest supporters. You know, it's not because exactly. they're jealous or anything. It's just, it's not their mm-hmm. thing. They like you and they'll click right. your page and say, cool, but don't expect mm-hmm. that engagement from them and them to share all of these things. They'll get tired of it because it's not their thing. So be prepared right. to build your own audience outside yeah. of whatever you're creating. It's, it's interesting that in my uh, life, I'm the voice of reason because, you know, whether they're like my family or people I know, they're like always giving me advice. So this is how you can get more subscribers. And I'm like, I, it's a it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. usually the person doing it is the one who's like, man, why don't I have more views? Why don't I have more subscribers? But I'm telling other people that like, mm, I'm OK, like because um, at the end of. 2019 I had like 181 subscribers and now halfway into 2020 I have 300 something so which is yeah which is good because there's so much clutter you know Mm -hmm. you aren't a big brand you don't have you know I look at some of these small these small time people and they have like Mm -hmm. full studios and you know maybe a a half-time person you know a full-time person or people that are actually helping them with production like the game is real. Like even with my podcast, I have to source my talent. I have to write my scripts. I have to share the scripts with them. I have to uh, do the recording, do the editing, do my own promotion. Mm-hmm. And this is right. all. And then I'm, I'm I'm doing this while preparing for the next week. And then I also have a job. I also have a yeah. family. I have all of these types right. of things. And I think people underestimate how much work goes into putting together a quality product. And, yeah. and you know, if you got a hundred, you know, I was on. Um, I was looking at Apple uh, podcast today. My, my own podcast mm-hmm. popped up in my feed. So I'm like, oh, yes, I have four or five star reviews. I was so happy <laughs> because to right. me, that someone took the time to, to support what I was doing. And if you said that to me 10 years ago, I'd have been like, man, this is whack. But, you know, right. maturity has taught me, like, it's going to take a lot longer to build that up. And mm-hmm. there's just much more, you know, clutter. So if you have a hundred and something uh, subscriptions last year, now you, you know, almost you know, what, 100% more or more than 100% uh, right. increase, like, that's huge. I mean, it is what it is. You know, we, we aren't influencers out here right. and sitting online and begging people to like our stuff. It's if it catches mm-hmm. your eye, you like it and it resonates, click like, subscribe, whatever. Yeah. And the only reason I really keep the number in mind is because, you know, YouTube provides certain things at certain levels. So, at a thousand subscribers, I'll have more things unlocked, like monetization. <laughs> right. So that's the really the only reason you. Keep I'd love to have that have... little that little gold logo plaque, which will never happen in my life. <laughs> was that was that a million views or something like that, or a million? You know, they I get the nice plaque have. in the mail. <laughs> you know, I believe in you. Black woman in said, Kev is gonna get that plaque. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Golden mic right. or something. Yeah. So um, as creatives, uh, I'm sure you've 
had experience working with a lot of creatives. So I want to talk about leading yourself because in being a creative, trying to help other people find creatives because um, I either refuse to do the skill set or I just don't do, have the skill set. I've noticed that creatives are creative and they're not business minded. So mm -hmm. when all these people are doing freelance, uh, like, for example, I, I helped a guy out in the world. He was looking for uh, animators for it to do a commercial. And, you know, I didn't he wanted specifically um, black 2D animators. And then he specifically wanted a certain style. So I was like, well, that's very specific. And I don't really know a lot of people that do that. So I had to take it to Twitter, have somebody retweet it. And we got like a lot of responses. Um, like a couple people, uh, he reached out to a couple people and then like one guy responded, but then kind of went ghost. And then the other person just never responded. Like they're like, oh, I'm interested in this. But when you passed on to the person, you, you're not responding. Or there's been times where I've heard about in the middle of projects, creatives will disappear or not have a communication piece. So what, what, what do you have about leading yourself? <laughs> Man, I've been all those. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I've been all of those, you know, I've been, man, it, you know, you think back and like, <laughs> why, why did I do that? But, um, right. I've been that irresponsible creative where things just snowball and, you know, you yeah. go ghost in the middle of a project, um, because you didn't manage your time or you didn't, yeah. you didn't set up a realistic time schedule or. Um, or you took on a project that you weren't really engaged in. You didn't really care mm -hmm. about it. And that's the thing too. You have to be, you have to take on projects that actually are things you're interested in. And it can't just be about money. Um, mm -hmm. I know how hard, I know how hard it is because I've been that, that, that poor creative where you're just mm -hmm. like, I need to take anything so I can make some money. Uh, but I think right. it, I don't know how you, how you kind of, how you really cracked through that you really just have to figure, you know what, I want to be better. I want to yeah. be better. Um, I want to make more money. And I think, you know what I think helped me a lot was reading. Mm -hmm. um, just reading, reading about managing your creative business. And then also reading how my friends will post on social media about creatives mm -hmm. and the creatives that ghosted them and were trash. you like, and, you know, so I think there, there comes some, some self-reflection we start to see that yeah. mirror in front of you. But for me, it was reading and then spending time with with other, not necessarily creatives, but just small business owners that mm -hmm. had their that had their game together. Um right. start to see them, they have their contracts, they have their their pricing. Um mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we just don't do as creatives. Right. You know, we get excited because we have this this skill and this talent, but we don't what I consider do the business of the business first. And mm -hmm. I get it. many of our, our, our businesses start out of necessity because we either aren't working somewhere or we need money yeah. or, and I get that. But at a certain point, you have to just kind of stop and just say, you know, I'm going to devote the next, you know, 90 days or six months, whatever is a realistic time frame, to really mm -hmm. streamlining, you know, the way you're doing things. And that's developing your contracts and developing your time frames. And the thing about it is I think we're, as creatives, we're also scared to be truthful about things and yeah. we don't want to admit when something's outside of our skill set you know like i can do web stuff but i know i know exactly where that stops and then i need to bring somebody <laughs> else in 
um, when it comes to illustration, I know what my limit is. And then like I tapped you in years ago. I'm like, this is beyond my skill set. You know, I need you right. to do this. And right. but we try to take it all, take it all in because you need to make money and you know, yeah. for other reasons. But if you're really serious about your business, you got to do a have a stop point and and calibrate and say, what does my pricing look like? What are the core services that I want to provide? So for mm -hmm. me, like I went from a list that was like here down to this. And if you want mm -hmm. something beyond that, I can refer you out. Right. Uh, but because I don't want to do anything that's not in that band. It's, you know, I've gotten to that point me. too. Yeah. And it, it really, I think the less you do it, it improves your value proposition a bit more. Yeah. Like, you know, mm -hmm. Deb is this type of animator. Kevin mm -hmm. is this type of marketer. Um, mm -hmm. But really take that. I keep going back to it. Go, you know, take that time and develop your list of services. What are your timelines associated with those? Um, mm -hmm. Make sure you're registering your business somewhere so you can start a bank account because I've lost money. Right. I lost mm -hmm. a couple, maybe a few thousand dollars, like four or five thousand dollar deal early on because I didn't have my business registered and they didn't want to write a check to Kevin. And I'm like, right. but it's me. They're like, no. You know, are you a self proprietor? You know, can you show us your paperwork? And I'm like, no. They're like, we had to go. Start. Right. They want to mm -hmm. have cover. They want to have that liability. Yeah. But mm -hmm. um, services, contracts, setting up your business entity, having a bank account, having, uh, you know, what is your method of payment? Having all those types of things all figured mm -hmm. out. And if you're doing things that require some sort of money, so if you're a graphic designer and someone says, I need these pop-up banners, then you need to make sure you source your 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 materials before you make that quote and say, you know what? Yeah. This banner is 80 bucks cost. How much is my time from spending an hour on it? I may charge $75 or whatever. So I mm -hmm. need to charge at least 150 on this, mm -hmm. plus the shipping, which means it'll be $200. And tell people this costs you $200 and stick to it. They'll be like, okay, but you can't say, oh, I didn't charge you enough. Or, which right. I've done, you quote somebody something and you didn't fully vet your um, your mm -hmm. vendor. And so now mm -hmm. I'm doing a project that I quoted you $200 for, right? And it's to send right. this pop-up banner. And in my head, I thought $200 should cover it. And so I quoted right. you that. And you're like, bet, that sounds good. And so now mm -hmm. when I go to make the order and I send it off, my bill is $190, which means right. I'm getting paid 10 bucks. And so now I'm mad and I'm ghosting you on mm -hmm. your project because I don't, because I'm only making $10 and I spent four hours on it. So yeah. that's where all of that, that unprofessional like comes from. You probably went to the website and they had the little base price, but when you get specific, it'd be like, oh no, it's more than that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, not factoring in shipping. Factoring yeah. the proper shipping. So if I'm saying, hey, I need this, and then I'm like, when do you need it by? And you're like, okay, cool. And now I go to press or you know, submit my order. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, shipping to get to, to LA, it, yeah. you know, in two days is 45 bucks. And now I gotta come out mm -hmm. of my pocket because I underquoted. I've been all of those. And right. but you know, you gotta grow. And you know, mm -hmm. I, I have no problem saying, you know what, let me let me take a minute to get back to you, but I have my base price on how much my services are gonna be. But yeah. this is a product that I don't normally produce. So if it's a banner or something, um, yeah. you know, or if it's a project that requires a web subscription, let mm -hmm. me factor that into my cost and just be realistic with all of it. So um, what are some things that you would like to plug? I know you mentioned your podcast earlier. 
that's it right now. That's my focus. Um, again, I've learned to be focused. Um, but yeah, um, check out the podcast. Um, call it the League of Leaders. You can go to listen.leagueofleaders.org um, or look up the League of mm-hmm. Leaders on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, mm-hmm. uh, Google Play. I think that's what it's, is that what it's called or Android Play, whatever it is. Um, Something. <laughs> one of those. Whatever you at, look it up. But check it out. Right. <laughs> um, I think we have some pretty good. We have some pretty good. It's pretty dope people talking about their experiences. And I think what makes my podcast a little bit more different than others is that everybody that I've had on there has achieved some level of success, um, mm-hmm. and they're relevant in, in their age. So they're you know they're I'm 41, so they're kind of in that plus or minus five band. Um, in right. there, and that's something that I felt we didn't have. Everybody was either way older. Or you got yeah. this group where everybody's super young and everybody's a boss and a mogul and they haven't achieved anything. That's a whole mm-hmm. conversation. So yeah, check out the League of Leaders podcast. Um, other than that, go buy some lapel pins off my website, Kevin Davis Brand. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, plug your social media, your website, all that stuff now. Yep. Where can uh, people find media. you if they want to follow you? Check me out on Instagram, uh, Kevin Davis Brand. Um, mm-hmm. Website, kevindavisbrand.com. Um, and in the League of Leaders, that's it. All right, so thank you for watching. I want you to like so I know it's real. Comment and tell me how you feel. Subscribe to Seal the Deal and sign up for post notifications to show your zeal. And I'll see you in the next video. Peace.